God, we come together as a gathered people. Some of us overwhelming with joy, some of us overwhelmed with grief, and a lot of us in between. And God, we pray that this morning that you would help us learn how to care for one another well. Be with us. Amen. All right, so like I said, I'm Nick. Uh, Hi, again. Um, I love Independence Day for one very specific reason. Just one. That's it. I don't know if I can come up with any more than one, but this one's pretty good. But it's something that I can't really put into words, so I figured it'd be best if we all just watch this video. With that sound. So did you see that? The guy did a little, did a little one of those. He learned how to dance. <laughs> That's what he did. That's why I love Independence Day. Kids don't do this at home and don't put things in your dog's mouth. So uh, I love that because all it took was a little bit of dog, a little bit of Roman candle, and a whole lot of chaos ensued. <laughs> That's why I love Independence Day. Uh, it actually reminds me, when I was a kid, it was the first and last time I was able to light a firework at our family's block party that we would do every year. I was responsible for lighting 100 Saturn missiles. And you guys know what those are, right? Those are the things that just go everywhere. So I go out there, I light it, I take off to get away from the thing because I know that's what I'm supposed to do as a child. I need to get away from where the fire is. Uh, But in the process, I tripped, and then I got to see my entire family uh, run like mad as 100 Saturn missiles launched at them because I knocked it over. (laughs) So they all learned how to dance like that guy did. Uh, That's that's good stuff. (laughs) You know, that's what that is. Okay, but I'm going to take a turn here. There... I, as well as many theologians, take issue with Independence Day, and here's why. On a large macro level, here is why many theologians take issue with it. Because we, as Christians, can be easily tempted to place our love and pledge allegiance to the U.S. of A. over and above, or in place of, our love and allegiance to the kingdom of God. Right? And both of these kingdoms are at odds, yeah? They, they butt heads quite a bit. A few examples. One, one of these kingdoms knows no geographical, um, ethnic, or socioeconomic boundaries, while every other nation scrambles to build walls and establish borders that separates nation from nation, people from people. One of these kingdoms is eternal and is bubbling up all around us, Right? while every other nation rises and falls, as it has done throughout history. One of these kingdoms is based in love, while all other kingdoms play to our fears. But on a more personal level, this notion of independence, of rugged individualism as this value most cherished in our society is fascinating. Have you ever heard the phrase, pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Yeah? Yeah? Oh, yeah. Lovers of idioms. Rejoice. So um, this phrase, have you guys ever thought about it, though, right? Like, I thought about it this week, 
and I realize I've come to the conclusion that it makes no sense. I mean, have you ever tried to do that? Have you tried to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps? This is what happens to people who try to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. You end up with flip-flops, and depending on the season, a potentially stylish pair of knee pads, and a really expensive boot repair. I think that's, that's what that results in right there. So that's what pulling yourself up by your bootstraps does. <laughs> All right? And um, author, theologian, and communalist, four syllables, Shane Claiborne has this to say about independence versus interdependence. And this is what he says. Dr. Martin Luther King spoke of us all being bound up in an escapable web of mutuality. He talked of how we've encountered half the world by the time we've put on our clothes, brushed our teeth, drunk our coffee, and eaten our breakfast, as there are invisible faces that make our lives possible every day. That's why I've always struggled with Independence Day. Now, there are plenty of social justice implications within that statement, right? But there's something there that's even more elemental, something that hits closer to home. And it's this. We, as a people, don't want to really have to depend on anyone, do we? We like being in control. Yeah, we like being able to call the shots. And honestly, many times it's easier for us to be the master of our own domain than to figure out how to get along with the world around us. We like our independence. You know what I mean? But why has this happened? Like, how did we get here? How did we land in this place? Why have we chosen independence over interdependence time and time again? Now, it's important for us, for, for us to ask these questions, especially when we have Jesus inviting us repeatedly throughout the New Testament into community, into interdependence, into a dependency on God and neighbor. Jesus himself uses a lot of familial language, right? He tells us that we will gain 100-fold brothers, sisters, and mothers when we enter into the kingdom of God. And if we're honest with ourselves, we have to at least acknowledge that no matter how hard we try, we are inextricably and inescapably linked to one another, fully dependent on so many others in order to live. From things like home repair... Uh, to the food that goes on our table, to the fact that we have a little faucet that you turn a little lever and drinkable water comes out, to the clothes that uh, I bought at TJ Maxx, and to the cars that we drive to get around places, and to the schools that we take our kids to. It takes all of us working together in order to live, just to survive, let alone thrive. So why is it that we run away from interdependence and cling to our American bootstraps proverb. So let me tell you a story. Um, I, like many millennials, scratch that, I'm not a millennial. I come to find out I was born a year too early. So I and millennial people who are not me, but are millennial, uh, saw this rugged individualism, uh, and they wanted something different, right? They saw this independent streak, and they found it lacking. And so in my own journey, this desire for something different led me to a place called Cherith Brook Catholic Worker House. Last time I spoke, I talked about it as well. They are an intentional Christian community uh, right here in Kansas City in the historic Northeast neighborhood. Whenever I moved into that place, I had found what it was that I was lacking, what I was missing. I found there at that place deep relationships. I found a shared purpose. 
And I found community, not an affinity group, but like real deal community full of people who have radically different ideas on how things should go than me. And uh, people on all ends of the spectrum from ethnicity to socioeconomically. And the other thing that I noticed was that my financial stresses that I've experienced both before and after Cherith Brook disappeared because prior to moving to Cherith Brook, say my car breaks down, the old Toyota Yaris, uh, say that thing breaks down, all of a sudden I'm sitting there going, oh no, (laughs) my car just broke. How in the world am I going to fix this? So uh, then I move into Cherith Brook, and now there's 10 or 12 of us around that same table going, oh no, our car just broke. (laughs) What are we going to do? And uh, so the problem didn't change. It's just it felt nice knowing that there are 10 or 12 other people also freaking out about the car, you know? And and there's something to that where the stress kind of goes away. It's like, oh, well, at least they're freaked out too, so I don't feel so freaked out maybe. Either that or I guess we could snowball and it could get really out of hand. (laughs) So it it was great to be surrounded by others wanting to live their faith. And honestly, it was just fun to figure out how to keep bees, how to care for chickens, how to care for fruit trees, how to garden, do water reclamation, compost, and even figure out how homeless folks could live with us. And this love for community didn't end there. It's still with me, and I'd like to think that it's been carried into this thing at Second Presbyterian Church called the Open Table. Uh, So I was brought here a year ago to create a new worship expression at Second Presbyterian Church, and we're now four months in, which is great to us actually holding gatherings. Uh, The Open Table is an experiment in community, hospitality, and conversation. It's an experiment in interdependence and mutuality. The goal here is to create a space where many different folks can come around the table and share in a meal, sing songs together, and engage in conversation around a whole variety of topics, but specifically about the intersection of life and faith. Our hope is to have all types of people, from people sleeping under the bridges at Brush Creek, uh, to students in the, at the local universities, to folks sitting here right now at Second Pres, as well as other local residents, to all gather together and come around the table and figure out how to care for one another well. Each gathering, we start with a simple meal, we move into a time for singing, and then we close with a time of storytelling, preaching, experiential learning, or something like a TED Talk. <laughs> Uh, and we, our hope is that we're fluid enough and open enough and flexible enough as a community that depending on who comes through the doors and sits down with us at the table, that we would be able to meet one another's needs in a very practical way. Here's an example. So a couple weeks ago uh, at the open table, three individuals came and uh, they had just moved back from Texas. They had formerly lived in Kansas City and had spent the last five or six years in Texas, and they were just moving back, and they happened to be rolling down the street as we were getting ready for the open table. Uh, There were no signs that broadcasted that we were open, but they found themselves in our place. So a few people who were helping to set up um, welcomed them, gave them some snacks, and started talking to them. Uh, I got done practicing with the band for that night, and I went up and introduced myself and very quickly realized that I knew two of the three because they used to go to Cherith Brook to receive showers, a change of clothes, and breakfast seven years ago when all of us were there. So, small world, huh? So, these three people uh, were in a predicament. They were living out of their car, 
And uh, one of them was on disability, so they had a place coming to them, but the electricity wasn't on, nor were some of the other utilities, so they didn't have access to it. They couldn't stay there. So they were living out of their car for a number of days. So they show up, and lo and behold, we have a meal for them, which is great. And so we all sit down around the table, and what's beautiful is that they blended right in. It didn't feel like a mission suddenly. It felt like a community. Not everybody said hi to them. It was just the people that made sense said hi to them. So they sat down at the table, and people who sat around them struck up conversation with them. It just made sense, right? You're in proximity. You're eating food. You might as well say a few words, right? So we got to know them a little bit, and they got to know us. And then what happened was we were able to give them some leftovers as they needed to scoot in order to try to find a place to stay that night. Now, we told them to come back the next day to uh, our offices downstairs, and we were able to give them a $25 gift card for Price Chopper and some ice for a cooler so their their meals wouldn't go bad while they're living out of their car and waiting for the electricity to get turned on. And just last week, I received in my mail slot a note, a thank you note, thanking Second Presbyterian Church, thanking the open table, thanking all of us for offering them a meal, offering them leftovers, offering them ice, offering them a gift card, and they let me know that their electricity's on, they're in their house, they're doing great, and they're excited to come back to church. So that is what interdependence is about, right? It's, it's one of those things where some of us are overflowing. with We just are living in abundance. We have a lot to offer. And others of us are really hurting and barely scraping by, right? And so the idea of interdependence is that all of us coming together, sharing what we have, will make us all better off. So a quick plug for the open table, since, you know, I'm here. Um, There's an insert in your bulletin. And uh, if you pull it out, it says the open table on it. And a beautiful watermark. I love our logo. We just got it. So I'm personally very excited about it. And just know that we would love for you to experience this gathering with us. It's another way that we can practice interdependence, right? Because the open table uh, wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for the support and the encouragement of Second Presbyterian Church. We are a ministry of Second Presbyterian Church. And where we're at right now is we are looking for about 12 volunteers who resonate with the vision of the open table and who would be willing to participate with us by offering up an evening once a month, maybe once a couple months, once a few months. Uh, And all you'd need to do is fill out the insert. There's a form on that insert at the bottom of the page. All you need to do is just fill that out and you can turn it in to the offering plate when we get to that part of our service. Also, if you would just like to be up to date on all things the open table, just know that you can do that by just filling out the name and the email portion of the form on that insert. And again, whenever the time for offering comes, you can place that in the plate. If you want to just come, (laughs) then please do. Uh, We've got information about our next gathering on that insert and in our bulletin. And we would love to have you next Sunday from 6.30 to 8. Bring something to eat. So if you love making spaces look beautiful, if you love cooking food, if you love playing music, if you love speaking, any of it, like just know that you are more than welcome to come. Okay, shameless plug done. So I'm going to go back to the question now where uh, the question is this. So why is it that we're clinging to our independence and steering clear of community? So I'd love to get at some some of these answers by way of sharing a story and a parable. 
So uh, there's a story I read a number of years ago uh, about a tribe in Namibia, Namibia, um, called the Himba tribe. And these people had a very peculiar communal practice. And so what they would do is say a woman gets pregnant, right? What would then happen is she would uh, retreat into the woods with uh, her closest friends and family, and they would go out there and they would pray and they would fast. And the reason they would do this is because they believe that every child in their community has a specific purpose, in the community. They have a specific personality, something specific to offer. And so they go out there and they wait until a song comes forth. A very individualized song that everybody out there agrees encapsulates what this future child is going to be about. And once they find that song, everybody comes on back. There's a time of celebration, a time of feasting, and everybody is taught this particular child's song. So then what happens is the child's born, and what do they do? Everybody comes together, sings this child's song. Every birthday that passes, everybody comes together, sings this child's song. When the kid goes away to education, uh, they sing the child's song. When the child passes through those uh, rites of passage into adulthood, uh, they sing the song when the child decides uh, to marry someone else. Both of those children's songs are sung. And at the time of that child's passing, when they go from this life onto the next, the community comes together one last time. And as a way of being with that person, they come together and sing that child's song as they pass. And I love this story. It moved me. And it actually surprised me <laughs> the first time I came across it, uh, the, the reaction that I had. Because it was, I, I, felt, I felt jealous. Because, uh, you know, I want people to have a song for me. And I want them to sing it all the time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what I want. Selfish. Not really. I deserve it. Positive affirmation. So, <laughs> so... <laughs> This story woke me up to my desire, my own desire, for people to know me, right? To know my strengths and my weaknesses and to still choose to love me. It made me wake up to my own desire for a community where I could take some pretty major falls and still have people love me. People who in my darkest hour would be there to sing my song. I wanted people in my corner singing my song as I went throughout all of life's major milestones. I wanted interdependence. And who wouldn't, right? Like we all want and need support. And if we don't get it, we are destined to close up, become bitter, and we stand the chance of losing ourselves. So we can hide behind our bootstrap mantras, but when we're spent and when we're out of energy, that mantra falls apart, doesn't it? Because we don't have the energy to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And what we really need is for something like this to take place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Don't move. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Okay, hold that. Hey, how buddy. you worked yourself in, Matthew, not how you right, worked yourself out. Okay? Keep your boots on. Grab <laughs> onto his shoulder, Matthew. Grab right on. <laughs> <laughs> Bootstraps. 
What we really need is for someone else to jump in and offer some encouragement, right? We need someone who's willing to offer us reminders of who we are when we forget. We need some people to sing our song. But it's tough to be open to others, isn't it? It's the reality for all, of us, for all of us is that we've had experiences where love was withdrawn, where acceptance was withdrawn. Maybe it was because we didn't meet a deadline. Maybe it's because we didn't dress a certain way or behave a certain way or fit in with the crowd or produce something that someone demanded of us. And so these experiences hurt and in some cases caused us to shut down. It's tough for us to ignore dozens upon dozens of emotionally unsafe situations. And it's tough for us to recover from this very, very conditional kind of love. So, naturally, what do we choose? Independence. So I'd like to share this parable with you now. It comes from Luke 15, 11 through 32. It's actually our scripture for the day. I'm not going to read it verbatim. I'm just going to paraphrase it, but just know that it is the story of the prodigal son. Okay? Very familiar. I'm sure a lot of us have heard it. So I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. So there's a father and two brothers, right? Two sons. The youngest son decides, hey, I would love half of my inheritance now because I'm not really digging this farm life thing. And so his father granted him that, and he took off. This younger brother took off and squandered it. This kid made some serious mistakes, right? And so he came home defeated, uh, embarrassed, ashamed. But what happened? What was that response? The father ran to him, right? Scooped him up in his arms, said, welcome home, and immediately began planning an impromptu party. This dad, in that moment, sang this child's song when that child needed to hear it the most. And to his older brother, it all seemed really, really unfair, especially because that older brother never left his father's side, right? So the father had this response. You are always here with me, and everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be happy because your brother was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's been found. The father knew that the son had lost sight of who he was, but still let him go, hoping that his son would come back. So when he saw his son at the top of the hill, he had to rejoice. The dad had to rejoice. He had no choice. Like it just had to happen. He couldn't help it because his son had returned. His son was remembering who he was. His son had lost himself, but was found once again. And how many of us have done this, right? How many of us decided to take our own path? How many of us have forgot who we were at times? How many of us have needed help remembering our own song from time to time? We've all experienced trauma, abuse, pain, bullying to varying degrees. And these hurts keep us from choosing community, choosing interdependence, interdependence. It's tough to open ourselves up repeatedly when it seems like every time we do, we get beat down again and again. But we have to recognize that when we're in this situation, we are faced with two options. And the options are this. One is we can choose to shut down and close up shop. It's not worth it. I don't want to open myself up anymore. Why am I being vulnerable when I just continue to get hurt? And so we shut down. The other option is to do a healthy amount of healing and grieving because it stinks to get hurt, (laughs) but then choose to open up and love again, to try that again. And we know where these two paths lead. None of us know it whenever we're in the middle of it, but we can all see it from a mile away where these two choices lead to, right? We know the paths that they go down. One of them will lead us inevitably to loneliness, bitterness, and numbness. 
Because we've chosen not to feel. Like, we don't want to feel. It's hurt, and we're shutting down shop. Whereas the other one, although significantly scarier, will ultimately lead to life, community, and a whole range of emotions. The highest of highs, the lowest of lows. But we're at least feeling something, right? That's part of the human experience is we feel. So I'd like for us to try something together. In your bulletin uh, on that middle page, you'll see a series of lines at the top of that page for notes. So in a moment, um, I would love... uh, I would love to have Caleb come up to the piano. And um, I'd love for you, he's going to play here in just a minute. And I'd love for you to just write down a fear that you have about opening fully and trusting others. It can be a word or a phrase, but it should be something honest. For instance, like what is it that keeps you at a distance? What is it that keeps you afraid to engage with others? with a stranger, with a family member, with a community you're involved with. And I want you guys to write those responses down on those lines. And now, just so you know, you get to keep those. I won't be reading them. (laughs) You can keep those. You can take those with you. So feel free to write freely, whatever it is that you need to write. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead us in a call and response. So what happened was I actually gave this sermon at the first open table gathering, something like it. And the only difference was I actually collected all of their responses, and they're right here. I told them I was going to do so, (laughs) so it wasn't like a bait and switch. And I also told them I was going to read them aloud. And so what I'm going to have us do is I'm going to read these aloud. And after I read each of them aloud, I want us all to engage in this call and response. And the call and response will go like this. I will say, have no fear, and you will say, you are welcome here. Okay? So let's try it, shall we? Have no fear. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that warm welcome. So that's, that's what happens. And why am I doing this? There are two reasons for it. One, I'm doing this because I think you and I, the folks at the open table, and everybody else who can call themselves homo sapiens, uh, all experience similar kinds of fears when it comes to opening up to others, right? We fear rejection. We fear looking like a fool, <laughs> you know? Like, these are some basic things that are true among all of us. And so the hope is that by expressing these together, these fears aloud, by doing so, we start to create a safe space where we no longer have to fear these things, right? At the open table, our core values are community, hospitality, rest, and beauty. And the reality is, is we all want a safe community to be a part of, right? We all want to experience rest. We all want to be able to let our guard down around others because it gets tiring to put up a facade every second of every day of our lives, depending on who we're around. And whenever we do this, whenever we announce these things, whenever we give voice to these things, they lose their power over us, right? Don't they? So whenever by us speaking these things aloud, the hope is that that fear that's so deeply planted in us will break loose a little bit, and then suddenly we have a little bit more room for love to set up shop in our hearts. So with that being said, um, Caleb, are you okay with playing something? I forgot to ask him. (laughs) Okay, thank you. I realize that now I'm like, uh, I was going to have the band play, and I didn't tell them to play. So Caleb will play. Thank you. Um, So take a few moments and, and jot down your reflections, and we'll end with this call and response.
Caleb can keep playing. And I, I'd love for us to now uh, enter into our call and response time. So I have, look at this, just to show, I'm shuffling the cards, shuffling the cards. I, I'm not handpicking any of these. <laughs> these are the entirety of them. I'm going to read these aloud, and we're going to do our call and response now. I have a fear of confrontation with others. Have no fear. You're welcome here. I don't reach out to others because of personal insecurity and fear of offending and not being a good steward of God's love. Have no fear. You're welcome here. I have a fear of failure. I have a fear of embarrassment. I have a fear of rejection by others. Have no fear. I fear being judged by my appearance. I fear that I won't be smart enough. Have no fear. I have a fear that I'll be rejected or not be liked. I fear the messiness of intimacy. Have no fear. I fear that my own personal choices are keeping me from others. Have no fear. My fear is being viewed as childish, childish or immature. Have no fear. You're welcome here. I fear that people will say I'm not legitimate and I'm afraid that I'll be alone. Have no fear. So I want to close by returning to our African tribe here. There's one more instance where they sing the song, the birth song of the child, and it's when this happens. When uh, someone commits a crime in this tribe or does something that's against the community's rule of life, they'll be brought into the middle of the tribe and they'll be surrounded. So they'll be in the middle of a circle surrounded by their peers. And what they do is they will sing that child's song to them. It doesn't mean that they won't face the consequences of their actions. They will, for sure. But what's going on here is people are saying, by singing their song, oh, shoot, you forgot who you were in this moment. This isn't who you are. We all know who you are. You did this thing that was totally outside of you. And all you need to do is be you, and you are going to be loved. So come home. Another way that you can say it is like this. You were lost for a time, but now you've been found. You were once dead, but now you are alive. Welcome home. Now let's throw a party. We all want this, right? We all want to feel at home. We all want to be relaxed. We want to be free to be who we are. And it's good to be surrounded by friends who will sing our songs when we forget Happy Interdependence Day. Amen.